I mean, don't put off getting your life together. Don't put off trying to get your life on the right track. Don't put off trying to get ready for the future. Don't let important details slide. Do something and do something now. See, it's inevitable that there will come a day and each and every one of us is going to find ourselves standing in front of God. And we're going to be held accountable for everything that he gave us. We're going to be held accountable for our life. Again, what Matt read to you, Jesus describes it this way. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and see, he's coming, and all his angels with him, he's going to sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, I think I might have a hard time separating sheep from goats. Not because I don't know the difference between a sheep and a goat, but what I understand is that separating goats is an, a, a, from sheep is an interesting comparison. In Palestine, the sheep and the goats uh, often grazed together, but were not separated until it came time for them to shear the sheep. But one of the commentators I read, his name is Craig Blomberg, uh, said that the sheep and the goats look a lot alike, especially from a distance. So that it's not always easy to tell the difference between a sheep and a goat from a distance. And you know something? The same is true with people. Sometimes people who look like sheep from a distance, when you get really close to them, you realize, what are they? They're goats. We can't always tell the difference, but we don't need to worry about that because the shepherd says, I can tell the difference between a goat and a sheep. And in the end, I'm going to separate the two. He will put his sheep on the right hand, and he will put you goats over on the left hand. Now, the question we really ought to ask ourselves is, what's the difference between a sheep and a goat? I mean, why are some people going to be put on the right why are some people going to be put on the left? Well, Jesus, as always, gives us a very clear answer. It's completely unambiguous. The defining difference between a sheep and a goat is this. How do you respond to human need? There it is. How do you respond to human need? Now, I'm not talking about a social gospel. I don't want you walking away today and say, well, that sounds like social gospel. I am not talking about how you get saved by doing good works today, so don't, don't think that either. But Jesus makes it abundantly clear in this text that people prove themselves to be his people in the way that they respond to human need. The sheep on his right are people who showed compassion. The goats on his left did not. That's why you see that little cartoon. I fed the hungry. The goat says, whatever. Now, here's a fact. When you stand before the throne and Jesus examines your life, he is not going to grade you on the religious jargon you know. I mean, you can stand up there and say, uh, justification, sanctification, eschatology, uh, uh all these religious words, thee and thou, Lord, I know how to say theest and thouest and mightest and whosoeverest. I'm not going to judge you on that. 
He is not going to say, how many Christian CDs do you own? I mean, do you always play Christian music in your car? Uh, He is not going to uh, look and see how many Christian books you have on your shelves or how many spiritual life conferences you went to or how many women's Bible studies you were in or did you show up in Bible class, adult class, on a regular basis. He said you are going to be judged or graded according to your response to human need. Did you or did you not show compassion? Now, in this story, in this passage that Matt read before, Jesus tells us exactly what he expects of us. He is not asking us to do the impossible. He is not saying, uh, this is your mission should you choose to accept it, like in the old Mission Impossible shows. Showing compassion is something that every last person can do no matter what their age is, no matter who you are, no matter where you live. Uh, no matter how much time you have, no matter how little money you think you have, or for that fact, how much money you have. This morning, I just want to share three simple keys for passing your finals. Uh, three don'ts for showing compassion. And here's don't number one. Don't overlook small chances to do good. Don't overlook small chances, small opportunities. Go back in verse 34 to 36. Then the king shall say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You can give somebody some food. I was thirsty. Gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes. You clothed me. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. All Jesus is saying here, friends, is that we shouldn't overlook opportunities to help other people. We need to do good whenever we can do good. Now, when you consider issues such as world hunger or poverty, it's pretty easy to be overcome with a certain amount of uh, helplessness and despair. I mean, after all, you're just one person. What can one person possibly do for world hunger? Well, I'm going to tell you, you can't fix it for everyone. I I don't know anyone other than Jesus who can fix it for everyone. But you can fix it for someone. Maybe not everyone, but someone. There is someone that you can help. And it's probably the someone that only you are aware of. Now, for example, I would venture to say that everybody here today, front to back, knows somebody who could use a little bit of help financially. Everyone here probably knows someone who's lonely and wouldn't mind having a visitor. I think everybody here probably knows somebody who is sick or not particularly feeling well who would not mind a a word of cheer or a card or a phone call. And in fact, if statistics are, are true, we all probably know somebody who's in prison or in jail or in some sort of a halfway house or whatever who would benefit greatly from a little bit of kindness and unconditional love on our part. So, see, showing compassion begins with a willingness to do good and then doing it whenever that opportunity comes our way. Now, did Jesus ever give us an example? 
Yeah, he did. I think Jesus' greatest example of showing compassion is in a story that you all know. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You've got a guy on a journey from Jericho heading back uphill to Jerusalem. Uh, he falls among thieves. They beat him. They rob him. They strip him. They leave him on the side of the road thinking he's going to die. As he's laying there dying, you know, you know the story, two religious guys walk on by. One was a priest. The other one was a Levite. Each person seeing him there just went about their own business. The third guy who shows up, of course, is a Samaritan. Samaritans were hated by the Jews. I would have loved to, wouldn't you like to have sound with your Bible? I would sometimes. I like to read stories and hear what was actually going on. Because when Jesus said a priest came by, I think a lot of people went, hmm. And then Jesus said, passed him by. Oh. And then along came a Levite. Oh, yeah. But he walked by too. Hmm. But then along came a Samaritan. Whoa, what do you mean? Don't say that dirty word here. I mean, Jews hated Samaritans. Jews would spit when they heard that word Samaritan. I mean, Samaritans were looked down upon because the Jews considered them to be half-breeds. They were not pure descendants of Abraham. And then they worshipped in the wrong place. They worshipped up on Mount Gerizim. They didn't come down to Jerusalem and worship in the right place. But see, this Samaritan did not have any of those racial or denominational prejudices. I mean, what he saw was an injured man. I mean, he had compassion. He went over, he bandaged his wounds, put him on his own mule, took him to uh, an inn, a place to stay, bandaged him up, took care of him, paid the bill, even gave a little bit more, even told the guy when he left, I'll be back way, probably known to the innkeeper, and if it costs a little bit more to keep you, I'll pay you when I come back. That's Jesus' example of showing compassion. Now, well, I, I, no one is asking you to underwrite the entire budget for World Vision or for World Missions for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. But, you know, even while you don't have to uh, sponsor all of World Vision, it's entirely possible for you to sponsor a child. I mean, maybe some of you have done that. I mean, no, I know Nancy and I have done that on occasion. I mean, nobody is asking you to go out and bring about prison reform. But, you know, you can go and you can visit somebody and you can bring them encouragement. I mean, nobody is asking any of you to go out and save the world, but there's probably at least one person that you know of that you could share Christ's love with who probably doesn't know him. I mean, very simply, it is, it's doing good whenever you have the opportunity to do good. When the opportunity presents itself, do something, even if it's small. That's kind of the first step towards compassion. Here's the second one. It's going to sound a little odd. Don't ask for a receipt. Now, I'm speaking here metaphorically. If you make a tax-deductible donation, it's okay to get a receipt. Uh, This is what, What I'm really talking about is this. When you do something good... Forget about how it's going to benefit you. You know, there are some people who do good, and then they want to make sure that somewhere they get credit for it. That their name goes down in a list, or that their name goes down in a plaque or something. They want to have credit for it. Listen to how the sheep responded when they were praised by the master. 
It says, then the righteous will answer it, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothing? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? You remember what Jesus said to them? Verse 40, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. See, the sheep in the story did not know that they were scoring points, if you will, up in heaven by helping the down and out, because that wasn't their motive. They were just doing it because they were compassionate people. Now, the fact is that many times when we do good for other people, we do get something in return for that. But if the main purpose of our doing something nice for somebody else is to get something in return, then I would suggest that we are completely missing the point. I don't know how many of you get Reader's Digest. I know we've had it off and on over the years. I remember some of the stories. One, a few years back, that kind of stuck in the back of my mind was about a guy who was walking along a, a street one morning and he saw a woman's car that was caught in the snow. And so he got behind her and he gave her a push, got her car out, and she drove away. And she just kind of waved in the rearview mirror and left. Now, nine times out of ten, that would be where that story would end. But the guy's story actually ended a little bit differently. Uh, because about six months later, he uh, went to a bank for a loan to start a new small business, and he was ushered into the uh, newly hired manager's office, and guess who was sitting behind the desk? The woman he'd helped out of the snow. And guess what? He got his loan. Now, let me ask this question. Did he help that woman get unstuck so she'd loan him money? No. Uh, he, just, he didn't even know who she was. He just did it because he was a kind, merciful, compassionate person. And I think that's the point that Jesus is making here. Sheep help people because it's in a sheep's heart to respond to human need. Sheep help people because sheep can. Now, unfortunately, there are some people who look like sheep, probably really goats, who too often, when they have a chance to help people, are sort of like Don Corleone. You remember Don Corleone and the Godfather, Marlon Brando? In the beginning of that movie, somebody comes to Don Corleone and asks for a favor. Don Corleone agrees to it. But listen to what he said. Those of you who have seen this movie will remember. He said, someday... And that day may never come, I will call upon you to do me a service in return. Until that day, consider this justice a gift. In other words, what was he saying? He said, yes, I'll help you out, but you will owe me. And you will owe me big time. And I am going to hold this over you until I get payback. You know, a lot of people do that. They kind of hold it over other people, and they're, they're waiting to call in the favors. But I'm going to tell you, friends, that showing compassion is not about scoring points. It's not about getting leverage over other people. It's about responding to human needs. Like I said, sheep help people because a sheep's heart says you help people. Uh, 
as people who hurt, regardless of how it may or may not benefit us. Now, do you want to really learn how to show compassion? You do it without demanding that you get credit. Who cares whether your name gets put in the paper? Who cares whether your name ever gets put in a church bulletin or a newsletter? Who cares if they ever put up a plaque or give you a trophy or put a statue of you downtown or whatever? That might be the end result of it, but don't do it for that reason. Do good, but don't ask for a receipt. Here's the third crucial don't. Don't exclude anyone. Did you notice the goat response? Verse 44, they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? You get the kind of impression here that if they had known that their help would have been credited somehow to their spiritual account, that Jesus was somehow behind all the needs that they had ignored, that they would have responded differently. Oh, wow, Jesus, we saw all these kind of low lives. We had no idea that was you. Jesus' response, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. You've heard that term twice now, the least of these. Do you ever wonder who those people are? Who are the least of these? I mean, your list, you can make your own list. I I wrote down a few things. The least of these are those people who will never be able to pay me back. And that's who the least of these are. They they just have no way of paying you back. Uh, These are those whose choices have put them in a difficult situation. But instead, what do we do sometimes? We act very goat-like and say, well, they got into trouble. Let them get themselves out of trouble. These are people who live in a country whose politics we don't agree with. These are people who belong to a different race. These are people who belong to a different denomination. These are people who belong to a different religion. Now, I can't find anywhere in the Bible, and it's not because I've looked to see if I could find a loophole or something, but I don't find anywhere where Jesus... Scripture or whatever gives us permission to exclude anyone from our acts of compassion. When we stand at judgment on that final day, the Bible Bible says that we will be judged according to what we do. How did we respond to human need? Did you or did you not show compassion? Now, having said all of that, giving you three things, I I want to make something, again, abundantly clear. I want you to hear me. I want you to really understand this. The message of this sermon is not merely that if you're nice to people, you're going to go to heaven. I did not say that. There's a whole lot more to getting to heaven than just being nice to people. What is that? Well, in order to live lives of mercy and compassion, we must first be on the receiving end of God's mercy and compassion. All of us need to come to a point in our life where we realize that we are nothing but a bunch of goats in need of his transforming grace. 
We need Jesus to come into our lives to forgive us of our sins and make sheep out of us so that we can live like sheep. But before we can ever do anything good, we first need to be made right with him. Before we ever show love and compassion to anyone else, we need to first of all experience his love and compassion. It's always his love, our response. It is never our response, and therefore God will love us. That's never going to work. His love always comes first. That's justification. That's Jesus dying on the cross. Sanctification is just living a life in reflection of what God has already done. Some of you know who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is. Uh, He was a Lutheran uh, pastor, lived during World War II. Uh, you want to read a really interesting book, read Eric Metaxas's book on Bonhoeffer. About, it's, it's very revealing. Uh, he's written a lot of other books, and one of them is called The Cost of Discipleship. And in this book he writes, quote, The bearers of Jesus' word receive a final word of promise for their work. They are now Christ's fellow workers and will be like him in all things. Thus they are to meet those to whom they are sent as if they were Christ himself. They are bearers of his presence. They bring with them the most precious gift in the world, the gift of Jesus Christ. Would that change anything about you if the day when you walk out these front doors that everybody you see, you would think this could possibly be Jesus himself? I mean, we are Christ's bearers before others in our homes, Uh, We are little Christ. That's what Christians really means. Uh, We are little Christ in our homes and in our churches and in our schools, in our work, in the world. Now, what would happen if day after day we were always conscious of that truth and did our best to put it into practice? You know, we are his ambassadors to other people here on this earth. We are, if you will, we are the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears of Jesus to be a blessing to all those that we come into contact with. My appeal to you today, and I include myself in this, is that we actually realize that we are Jesus' hands. That we realize that we really are Jesus' feet and mouth and eyes, and that God would place in all of us this heart compassion and a desire to serve other people. I wish I could have got this video to play, but I've had computer problems this weekend and didn't have a chance to do it. Uh, but some of you may remember about a month or so ago, we had Soul Breather with us here, uh, Bryn and Gersh. Uh, Gersh. Mark Gershmiel at one time was the, he was the founder and lead singer of a group called White Heart. And they had a very popular song, popular back in the late 80s or 90s, uh, which which is called We Are His Hands. And I just want to close with just reading a little bit of that song. I wish I could have played it, but you can go home today, go to YouTube, type in White Heart, We Are His Hands, and you can listen to the song. It says, Some of us build, some of us are teachers, some can sing like angels, but all of us can love, like he loved, pure and simple, so warm and gentle. We are his hands, we are his feet, we are his people, children of the Lord. We share the hope, we share the dream, believers in Jesus, children of the King.
May God bless us as we have the compassion to be his children. Amen.